and uh, I kind of like the way int Linda introduced this message. Why, God, why? I'm not sure I can be quite that dramatic. But nevertheless, that's the topic. And most of us have felt that emotion, that frustration, when it seems like God's doing nothing. And all our dreams and all that we were hoping for seems to be going nowhere. And I've entitled this morning's message, Dare to Dream Again. Last week was about getting an understanding about the theology of time, of how time works between us and God. And we've been taking some lessons from the life of Abraham. And a key passage is from Genesis 15, where Abraham has left his country. He's responded to God by faith. He's been obedient. He's traveling into a new land that God has promised to give him. But one of God's promises is that they will have a child. They will have descendants. And from the time to the promise to this moment is 10 years. And there's a frustration. Abram's been a whole lot of things, the passage says, after these things. A whole lot of stuff has happened in his life. But after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. And he's bottled up all this frustration. God, it's not happening. Uh, I've gone through stuff. Stuff has happened. Things have happened. But the promise hasn't been fulfilled. And he kind of erupts and he says, God, what good is it that you do all this other stuff when the thing that is most precious to Sarah and I hasn't happened? And sometimes we can actually lose sight of other aspects of God's blessing in our life because of one thing that we believe he promised, a part of a dream, a part of a vision, hasn't happened yet. And we need to understand that God gives us incredible promises, but he leads us through challenging processes to get there. And the process is the time of equipping us, preparing us for the promise. And then he brings us into abundant provision. And unfortunately, this thing of God's process equates to time. It takes time. And we get very impatient with the timing of God. It's almost like it's all very good for you, God, to dwell in eternity, but I've only got so many years on this planet. But Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3 and verse 11, says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. There is something beautiful about the timing of God. As frustrated as you may be on the way to that timing, when it happens, God makes it beautiful. God makes it perfect. And many of us can identify with Abram. We feel confused at times about the timing of God. We feel disappointed because stuff has happened. Things have happened. And even discouraged and frustrated. And perhaps, dare I say, we even get kind of angry with God. And David was like that. When God didn't do things in the timing, David is another one who was given an extraordinary promise to be the next king of Israel. But it took years before the fulfillment came. And in that period, David was chased, hounded, Saul tried to take his life. It's an incredible story. And David kind of erupts in Psalm 10 and verse 1. Oh, Lord, why do you stand so far away? 
Why do you hide when I'm in trouble? And again, I think all of us can empathize with that thought. We, we may not be as bold as David. Don't want to tick God off. Don't want to lightning bolt is kind of what's thinking in the back of our head. But God, where are you? You seem so far away. When I'm in the midst of the crisis, when I'm dealing with all this pain, frustration, disappointment, God, where are you? And dreams, vision is really important. But if they're not followed up with a commitment to God's process, we can lose the promise. They will simply remain daydreams rather than a dream that finds a fulfillment. And the fulfillment of a dream, a vision, the fulfillment of God's promise in your life is usually a result of some hard work, discipline, risk-taking, otherwise known as faith, patience and focus. And probably the word we like least in that sentence is the word patience. But it's the one that allows us to fulfill the promise and the vision that God has for us. So I want to talk about some dream killers, and I'm sure there's a whole long list of things that can kill dreams. But I want to talk about three this morning. Distraction, disappointment, and discouragement. And they are all things that each of us has experienced. And I'm going to tie it a little bit to the life of Abram. And if you think I'm mispronouncing it, before he became Abraham, his name was Abram. And we pick up the story in Genesis 11. It's really the beginning of Abraham's story. One day, Terah, and Terah is Abraham's father. One day, Terah took his son, Abram, his daughter-in-law, Sarai, his son, Abram's wife, his grandson, Lot, and he explains who Lot is. Lot was Haran's child, and Haran is the oldest son of Terah and an important person in the story. And moved away from Ur of the Chaldees, he was headed for the land of Canaan. But they stopped at Haran and settled there. I want you to catch that thought. They stopped at Haran and settled there. And I think there's a few reasons they may have stopped at Haran, which happens to be Terah's eldest son's name. And Haran has died. There's a story there. And the first one, I think it might have been distraction. You see, distractions are things that happen to us on the way to something. And we've all seen with, even with kids, you send them on a little errand in the house and on the way they get distracted and half an hour later it hasn't happened because they got distracted. But as adults, we are not immune from that. As we go along life's journey, trying to fulfill God's vision, God's dream for us, see the fulfillment of God's promise, we can get distracted, taken off course. And essentially one of the devil's greatest tools, because very simply, the devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. If he can just get you off course, doing something that's not a part of God's plan or purpose, he's already stopped the vision, the dream, the promise coming to fulfillment. And Terah, Abram's father, seems to have been the first in the family that responded to the call of God. We're very familiar with Genesis 12. Arise, get thee out of the land to a land that I will show you. But verse chapter 11 tells us that 
Terror started on this journey from Ur of the Chaldees. And if you followed on a map, they have come an incredibly long way following the river system and now about to drop down into the land of promise. But they stop and they settle at Haran. They stopped and they settled. He was headed for the land of Canaan. But they stopped at Iran and settled there. And I want to challenge us this morning, myself included. Where were you heading before you got distracted? Because it's so, so easy to get distracted and stop and settle in a place. And you're kind of halfway to God's promise, halfway to the dream, but you're not there yet. The real question is, and I'm talking about distraction here as one of the key things, is why did they stop there? Why did they settle there? Well, one hint is in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2, it says that Terah, Abram's father, served other gods. He came out of uh, uh, Ur, the Chaldees, where they worshipped pagan gods. And Ur was actually the center of moon worship. And so it's quite likely that, that Terah and his family, before God encountered them, worshipped the moon god. And there were three major cities where the moon god was worshipped in that ancient culture. Ur was the largest, but the second was Haran. And maybe when he got there, that which was familiar to him back in Ur of the Chaldees, remember they'd moved, they'd sacrificed, they'd been on a long journey, and they were on their way to the promised land, but they stopped and settled. And perhaps it was this enticement of a familiar worship pattern, and they could go back to it, and terror got kind of stuck there. Haran offered him stuff that was familiar that was comforting. In 1 John 2, verse 15 through to 17, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just highlight something. John says, don't love this world nor the things it offers you. He's not saying don't enjoy the blessings of life and the provisions of a modern society, but he said, don't let your heart get attached to it because it can distract you. All the trappings of life, instead of being a blessing, can become a distraction. And he says, but whoever does what God pleases will live forever. He's again bringing us back. Don't get distracted by the world and all it can offer you because it'll stop you from fulfilling the will of God in your life. I love Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 25 to 26. Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead ignore life's distractions. And we all know that's easier said than done. Ignore life's distractions. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth before you. So it's possible that Terah and therefore Abram, the whole group that is traveling to the land of promise, stopped and settled in Iran because of a distraction resorting and returning to that which was familiar. But I think the second thing that is very powerful in this, and perhaps it's a combination of distraction, is the second thing, disappointment. And I'm talking about more than just a casual disappointment. I'm talking about something that's very deep, that's connected to tragedy. And none of us as we go through this life are exempt 
from tragedy or disappointment. In fact, if you think about it, God himself is not even exempt from disappointment. You think of the disappointment of the fall of Adam and Eve, the things that we have done that are disappointing to God. And we need to understand God still loves us and he wants to rescue us and turn us around. But God is not exempt. He doesn't exempt himself from disappointment. And Jesus offered no immunity to disappointment, to tragedy in this life. But rather he provided a way through it so we could get to the other side. Haran, this is now talking about not the place, but the eldest son of Terah. Haran died in Ur of the Chaldees the land of his birth, and it says specifically, while his father Terah was still living. I don't and haven't experienced the loss of a child. I know there are people that are listening to me today who have. And I can only imagine the pain, the grief that touches your heart. And it was just like that for Terah. And so he comes to a city that carries his son's name. And perhaps it was just too difficult to move on from that place. The pain, the tragedy locked him into the place. He was on the way. He was on the way to the promise. He was on the way to the blessing. He was on the way to the dream, the vision being fulfilled, but he stopped and settled because the pain engulfed him, the tragedy, the disappointment. And the question is, how do we deal with pain and tragedy and disappointment? How are you dealing with it? And there's no way this morning I want to be trite about this or to measure one person's pain and tragedy, disappointed against the others. We all have to deal with stuff. But does it disable you? Does it cause you to begin to have doubt and uncertainty about God's promise? Because God doesn't want you to stop and settle in a place as a result of pain, of disappointment, of tragedy. I love something that Philip Yancey, one of my favorite authors, said. He says, the Bible, therefore God, the Bible never belittles human disappointment. But it adds one key word, temporary. Whatever the pain, whatever the disappointment, in the light of eternity, it's temporary. And while you may carry that pain for the rest of your life, it doesn't have to be a permanent thing that causes you to stop and settle in a place and not move on in the promise of God. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is talking about a whole lot of stuff that he experienced, that he suffered, that touched his life. And he says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. And at the end, he gives the answer to it. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. Whatever you are seeing in your life right now is temporary. God's got more. It's not over yet. It's not finished. So don't throw in the towel. Whatever is seen is temporary, but whatever is unseen is eternal. The third thing that can sideline us is discouragement. And when you discourage, there are streams of thought that come into your mind. You don't invite them, but you can dwell on them. You don't ask for them, but they do come. 
And they kind of almost start talking to you from the moment you wake up. When you're in the middle of discouragement or disappointment or distraction, that stream of thought. And I think that's what's happening to Abram. In Genesis 15, where God says, Abram, I'm your sovereign God. And I will bless you and I'll protect you. And Abram's got this thing going on in his head, the stream of discouragement, the stream of thoughts of disappointment. And he says, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all the blessings when I don't have a son? And we need to filter and challenge the inner dialogue in our head. It's called spiritual warfare, and 2 Corinthians chapter 10 speaks powerfully to it. But David knew this, and listen to what he says, Psalm 42, verse 11. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my God and my Savior. I want you to know, David has this conversation with himself where he silences the stream of thoughts of discouragement, of disappointment, of frustration, of even anger against God about the process that he's going through. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Your response, my response to discouragement is a key to our future. I love something that Martin Lloyd-Jones, the Prince of Preachers, said, most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact you are listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself. And I know many people say that talking to yourself is the first sign of madness, but not according to the Bible. Talking to yourself, speaking God's word, speaking God's promises, challenging the inner negative dialogue of your life is part of renewing your mind and getting back on track. It stops you from settling down in a place of negativity. The writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews 12 and verse 3, for consider him, consider Jesus. Think about Jesus. Think about his experience on planet earth who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Just think about what Jesus went through for us and let it be an encouragement, not just because he understands. As God, he experienced the pain, the frustration, the suffering of a human life and the joys, but he also comes out on the other side resurrection power which is available to us and so my encouragement to all of us this morning is dare to dream again don't stop and settle and if you have it's time to get moving again towards God's promise fulfilling the dream the vision that God has put in your life I'm drawn to some words of a song that is part of the musical of the story of Don Quixote a man on an impossible quest. And it's a famous part of Spanish literature, the story of Don Quixote. And it's uh, an interesting story. It's almost comical at times. But underneath, there's a story of somebody passionate on a quest, facing all sorts of adversity. And somebody captured it in the words of a song. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not even going to read all the words, just a few of them, because it came to me to dream the impossible dream. Some of you want to let loose? You can. To dream the impossible dream. To fight 
the unbeatable foe, to bear with unbearable sorrow, to run where the brave dare not go, to right the unrightable wrong without question or pause, to be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. And the world will be better for this. That one man scorned and covered with scars still strove with his last, last ounce of courage to fight the unbeatable foe. Go home, look it up, YouTube it, and listen to it. Jesus said, if you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. We don't go through life without dealing with disappointment and distraction and pain. We carry that cross. But Jesus says, if you pick it up and keep walking, then you're my disciple. There will always be opposition and obstacles, distractions, discouragement and disappointments. They're unavoidable. But we are called to overcome. It's not about what happens to you. It's how you and I respond what happens to us. Albert Hubbard, whoever he is, I like what he said. God will not look you over for medals, degrees or diplomas. Nothing wrong with them. God will not look you over for medals, degrees or diplomas, but for scars. What you went through to get to the dream, to get to the promise. And he who has an ear, Jesus said, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. To him who overcomes, I will give. It's only in the overcoming of these things that we get the promise. To him who overcomes, I will give Jesus promises you today. And so we finish with Abram. We has this outburst, God, what good are all your blessings when the promise, the thing that we long for most has not happened? When I'm dealing with this disappointment and I'm dealing with this frustration and I'm dealing with the pain. And I love what God does. Abram's in a tent. It's a Bedouin style of tent. And the Lord took Abram outside. I, I, I don't know how that happened. I don't know whether he kind of symbolically put his arm around Abram and said, come on, Abe, let's get out of this tent. Get out of the man cave. Get out of the place where you're hiding. Get out of the place where your thoughts are being assaulted. And the Lord took him outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. I think it was a little chuckle in God's voice, not of mocking, but we know now now know that it's impossible to count the stars. We try, but we... And he says, come on, give it a go. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. But I want you to notice something. Abram had to take a step. He had to start moving again. He had to get outside of the tent where he was struggling with his negativity, with his thoughts. He had to step out of the distraction, out of the disappointment, out of the discouragement, out of the tragedy, out of the frustration. And he had to look up and dare to begin to dream again about the promise, the vision that God has given him. And that act of faith reconnected him and set him back on track, track to the fulfillment of the promise. And faith is what connects you to God.